Welcome to Core 242 Podcast, brought to you by Core Community Covenant Church. Now let's dive into the Word of God with Pastor Max and Pastor Trish. Amen. So I'm very excited about uh, this this sermon, the sermon series. We've been walking for the past two years, two and a half years, about what is Christian faith, what is church, and and everything else. Two years of what it, be, what it is to be a disciple, what it is to um, live the life that God, God is calling us to do. And we, this is kind of the last of part two, <laughs> we want to say. Season two. Season two. Yeah, that's what we said. <laughs> Core season two. And this is, the, this is the last part that we have. We've been empowering and looking into of the gifts of the Spirit. We've talked about Beatitudes. We've talked about fruit of the Spirit. Uh, we really focused on the, the walking. And this, this last part, now that we have all these, this understanding and all of what we have inside of us, we're going to start talking about the armor of God and the actual spiritual warfare that, that we are part of. But there's good news, the good news that we're already saying, that victory is his. Victory has won. So, so as we look into the scripture today, and we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, if you guys want to turn your Bibles to it. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. You're going to see that a lot of it is we just need to stand on his promise and watch what he is doing what watch what he's doing gonna do and watch him be victorious in the, in that time so we're really excited about today is just going to be the intro to to armor of god because as we read into it um it's it's really important i i truly believe when we understand the why the what becomes more important if you understand the why, the what becomes, um, you, you understand it better. For, for me, it is. Like if somebody tells me, here, wear a parachute, I'm like, why would I wear a parachute? If somebody tells me the plane is going down, wear a parachute. Yeah, I got you. That changes, that change, that changes things. You know what I mean? So, so same thing when somebody tells me to put on the armor of God, I'm like, eh, why? But I want to look, today we want to look at the why we're going to put the armor of God. So I can read uh, Ephesians chapter 6. We're just going to look at the first uh, three verses today. It starts off uh, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Mm. So the first thing that we see in this text is uh, it starts in verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So we have been teaching and there's a reason why this is kind of a capstone at the end of this second season where we first talked about the fruit of the spirit, then we talked about the beatitudes, we talked about the gifts of the spirit, and now we're talking about the armor of God because it's so much more important 
that we trust in the Lord and in the Holy Spirit, what he's doing in and through us, than in anything of our own power. So if we're going to be strong in the Lord, we have to remember whose power it is that is at work within us. It's not by our strength, not by our might, but by his spirit, right? This is what scripture teaches us over and over again. But yet so often when we're in the face of a, of a struggle, we rely on our own knowledge. We rely on our own resources. We rely on our own willpower, right? And we try to just push through rather than realizing that the, the place where we are the most powerful is actually when we're surrendered and on our knees. And in this first verse, it says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. There's actually three words there in the Greek um, that the word for power. And so there's three different words there. We're not going to get into the Greek, but just to know that in this verse, there's actually a repetition of the word power. And it uses three different terms for power, which means that it's all the power that we need for every circumstance but also the fact that it's repeated three times means that it is the supreme, complete. Uh, when something is repeated three times, that's the sense that it's everything that we need. So this is something that there's also an emphasis that this is something that we need to pay attention to. Because just like in English, if you repeat something multiple times, you're usually trying to get the person's attention. So as we look at this, it's saying, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So strong, mighty, and power are all three words uh, that have to do with, so there's endunimus, which is ability or power, kratos, which is supreme power, and ixus, which is strength or power, which we usually refers to humans uh, and angels who have a very strong, it's physical power. So we see three different types of power that are at work in this, in this text. And we have the ability to count on the Lord for all of this power um, just by trusting in his Holy Spirit. Wow. And we're going to learn how to trust in this power um, not by our strength and not by our might, but by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and that power, um, Paul actually talks at the beginning of Ephesians in verse 1. This, he's praying for, uh, for believers and says, That power that the believers have, power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So that power that we're talking about, we have, it's that resurrection power. That is incredible power to raise somebody from the dead. It says, and that power is far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. That is the power that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. So th those are... Those are, those are incredible things, and I love that it says that there is the three words, the strong, the mighty, and the power, and it all is from the Lord. It all is all things Not from Not by God. our own strength. Absolutely. And that's, that's we've been echoing this this whole time. The, all the gifts that we have is not our gifts. It's graces that God has given us for his glory, for his honor, um, to expand the kingdom of God. So one of the things as we kind of delve into spiritual warfare that I just want to make as kind of a statement is that we don't want to look for a devil behind every bush, right? right? We give, in some ways, we give the enemy way too much power. Um, we blame him for things and we say, and you know, James chapter one makes it clear that each one is tempted when by your own evil desires, you are dragged away and enticed. Um, so it's made very clear in scripture that it's a lot of times. And, and then Paul talks about this too, that I do not do what I want to do, but the things I hate, I do. 
our own nature is very often to blame for the struggles that we're facing, um, for the temptations that we're coming across. And we we're so quick to blame the enemy for this, the enemy for that. And we're giving him power that uh, that is not really worthy of of who he is and what he's doing. He's, he's got other things that he's working on and we're blaming him for stuff that really ultimately the responsibility lies with us ourselves. On the other hand, I want to curve it and say in another way, I think we don't take the enemy seriously enough. Mm-hmm. So we're quick to find a, a devil behind every bush and to blame him for, for, you know, Oh, my flat tire, or this or that. Um, but we don't see how he really is. The, I mean, this scripture is warning us against the devil's schemes. So we have an enemy who has been around since before the creation of the world, who knows your family, who knows everything about you, who's been studying you very craftily and has spent time trying to figure out how to take you out and take you down. And we, we don't give him in that way, I think, enough credit. We don't realize how powerful he really is. Right. Um, and just as a, as a note from um, Jude chapter 1, where is it? Chapter 1 verse 9 um, there's this obscure text about Michael, the archangel, having a confrontation with Satan. And, he's, and it says, the point of it, though, we're not going to get into all the theology of that verse. But the point of it is, <laughs> maybe another day, yeah. is that even Michael, the archangel, did not rebuke Satan. But he said, the Lord rebuke you. And so we're quick to jump into these battles with Satan as though we have some sort of superpower. Um, and, and he is far beyond... He is far beyond what we have the capacity to handle. So we're not meant to be engaging and slaying demons and be out there doing all this. We're, the, scripture, the scripture here about, this is where we're going to get into the teaching today. Over and over again, it just says, stand firm. It just says, resist. Just stand firm, stand firm, stand firm. It's enough just to stand and not let him take you out or knock you down. Wow. So we don't have to be out there chasing after, you know, after the enemy's schemes, wow. he, he's out to steal, kill, and destroy and devour us. Um, our role is to put on the full armor of God just so that we can stand um, and trust that the Lord is fighting our battles. Yeah, even uh, when, uh, when Jesus talks to Peter, when Peter says that you are the Messiah, and he says, Peter, on this rock, I will, I will build my church and the gates uh, will... Of hell. of hell will not prevail. Will not prevail. So... We're here. Like we have the, our fortress. We're not firing stuff out there. It's our fortress. That's where, that's where we are getting strengthened. That's where we're getting knowledge. That's where we're getting wisdom. We, we're standing there. And again, this whole thing about talking about stand firm and stand firm, it's really important for us. Um, and as we get into, into it more. But the other thing that I wanted to talk about, as, as Trish was saying about... Uh, the the devil and the things that he do. There's always a joke about this thing. The devil don't care about your sound system. You just need to buy a new one in your church, right? And as soon yeah. as there's crackling, I think you have you mentioned it once or twice. But we need to remember what Jesus. I mean, I'm sorry. What the devil really is for? He wants to separate you from God. Yeah. That's that's his main thing. He doesn't care about your job. But if he takes your job away, what's going to happen? Wow. Are you going to be separated from... If he takes your health away, it's... it's look at Job, right? Yeah. The whole thing, he said, well, because you blessed him, he loves you. What if I take this away? He took his kids yeah. away. He took this away. And he keeps on taking it away. And what's going to... Are you going to be separated from the Lord? So it's not that, that the devil... Um, 
caring about your sicknesses or caring about your jobs or your family is all he's care for is to take away your salvation. Yes. All he cares about, yes. he's putting all these things in your way to see if he can separate you from God. And that's how people, that, and if you look around, even the friends that you had and people that were in church and not, because something happened and they stepped away from their relationship with God. So that's what the devil is all about. He just wants to separate you from the Lord. That is his main point. Just the same way for God, all he wants to do is bless you that you would be reconciled with him, that he, you would be united with him everlasting. Yeah. That is that is that is the key of it. So when we're talking about warfare and everything else, our biggest warf- warfare is to stand firm in our faith, to stand firm in the Lord. Mm. Yeah. That's it. Yes. <clears throat> we have bad health, but I stand on the Lord. I lost my job, I'm going to stand on the Lord. Mm. I got my car got broke down, but I'm going to stand on the Lord. Mm. As long as we do that, Amen. the devil cannot attack us our spiritual mm. way at all so we need to stand on that so and as we look at this is going to give us the opportunity uh to figure out how exactly we do that especially when we get into the the actual armor of god so looking at looking at the enemy like i said in some ways we we give him too much power on the other hand we underestimate and we think that we can just take him on full on um and and we've almost made him into like a caricature right he's He's like this, these extremes, you know, yeah. we with the, the red, you know, and the horns and the pitchfork and the t- and all this, you know, stuff. We've made him into a caricature and to the point that people actually take pride in like, oh, yeah, I'm on the highway to hell. And, you know, it's, it, it's become a joke because we don't we don't see how serious this scripture here. And, and again, we're not going to get too into this because I don't I don't want to give the enemy more power than what scripture guides us to do. But it says here in verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so what I want to I'm not going to go too far into this, but just to make the point, what we see here is there's a differentiation between rulers, authorities, powers and spiritual forces. We have a hierarchy here. This is an organized system of evil and darkness that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. This is not just one individual gatito who's out of his mind who wants to steal God's glory. This is an army. This is an organized force of darkness and evil that is out to not only destroy you, but to destroy all of God's kingdom and to overthrow heaven. Um, I mean, he has, he has these schemes that are far beyond what you and I can, can take on. Um, so there's, there's systems and there's allusions to it in scripture. You know, Daniel talks about the, uh, where he sees the angel and the angel talks about the prince of Persia. So there's, there's territories that are divided spiritually. There's all these things. And again, we don't want to idolize this and start to study because it's not our job to take all that on. Our job is to stand firm. This is what yeah. we're talking about. Just yeah. stand firm. Just hold your ground. It's enough to worry about your mind. Enough to worry about your heart. Yeah. Enough to worry about your spirit. You don't, you don't need to be out there, you know, pushing back the gates of hell. Jesus already did that. That's why we needed a savior. That's why it's called salvation. Because we were in prison in a, in a, in a system of darkness and evil that we cannot overcome. 
sin had its grip on us and we were slaves to sin. We were in this system and we've been set free by Christ. So, so the other garter is, is to see that this is much bigger than us, mm-hmm. right? Just like there's the kingdom of God, there's a kingdom of darkness as well. Yeah. And Satan is the prince of that kingdom. And it's much bigger than what you and I can, can fathom or wrap our heads around. But the, the good news is, is that it's, we don't live in a yin and yang world. God is, is not, it's not light and darkness fighting each other on equal terms. And we're not sure what the outcome is. Like we sang in worship, he wears the victor crown. Like, yeah. we, we already know that Christ has overcome. The, the battle belongs to the Lord. And God is, so the good news is, is that although Satan is much bigger than what we can wrap our head around and his legions of, of demons uh, are far more evil and calculated than what we can, what we can grasp, God is that much bigger. He's that much more mighty. He's that much more powerful. He's that much more omnipresent, omniscient. Um, and, and that makes it so much more, we, you know, when we reflect on Jesus our Lord, we have to recognize that he really is a king of a kingdom that is far beyond what we could ever imagine in the heavenly realms. Um, and his glory, you know, we, we don't even, we can't even get a, a picture of it in our wildest imagination. So it's, it's just unbelievable to think about. Yeah. And again, and the, all authority is power is on God's uh, on God and God alone. Like even we look at Job, God is the one who said, all right, I yes. give you authority Same to, to take away. You. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> he was even He's like, have you considered Job? Yeah, it was actually, was God is the one who pointed out, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but again, it's the authority. Even, yes. even in the New Testament, and that's what we were, we were talking earlier, this whole, all these things, devil attacking, this like, Jesus, you don't see that in the Gospels. You don't see that in the New Testament where Jesus is like, oh, man, we have stupid devil. We only have five <laughs> loaves of bread no. or, you know, no. oh, the storm It's the storm that the devil got the storm. No, there's nothing else there. There's two things, two places that we that we found that kind of talks about it in Luke 22, three. Uh, this is when uh, Judas decides to betray him, said then Satan entered Judas called Esker one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priest and the officer of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. So this is one of the times that Satan enters him. And, uh, and at that point, we, what we know from the story is that Judas, well, he had already been, he was dipping into the money. He was doing all kinds of shifty things. So it's not just like this happens out of the blue. Yeah. He has given the enemy a foothold and he was walking in disobedience and he was motivated by by jealousy he was motivated by greed he was motivated by all these things and he had allowed the enemy to get to that point his decision was already made that he was going to betray jesus and so you see the enemy enters him because he had already allowed there there it wasn't this one instant where all of a sudden he was overcome he had over time eroded and had did not have on the armor of god was not filled with the holy spirit was not trusting in the lord and and that the lord would eventually have the victory. He looked at what Jesus was doing, didn't understand it, and took matters into his own hands. And that's where actually we enter dangerous territory in our own lives is when we don't understand what God is doing and we try to figure it out ourselves. Yeah, and then and that's when yeah. that little foothold food, food where where Satan can get in is when we when we stopped trusting him. But the interesting part is same chapter, Luke twenty two. Now we're in verse thirty one. Says Simon, 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 Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, 
But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So here's another. Now Satan, again, is going after one of the 12. Mm -hmm. But now this is different. And I, I love this. It says, asked. Satan has asked. Satan had to ask permission to sift Peter, to um, tempt Peter, to give him some, some way of, of falling back. So there's nothing that you will face, and this is where we can trust by faith and we can have a, a blessed assurance that as bad as things might get, as, as hard as you, know, you may face a struggle in your life, um, there is nothing that the enemy will bring to you that God has not foreseen and given him permission. He has boundaries. And so you can trust and know that if, if God is going to allow this in your life, then he's also going to give you the strength to overcome. He's also going to empower you to get through it, um, just as he did with Peter. He, the enemy asked for permission to, to sift Peter, and God gave permission. But Jesus also said, because he knew that Peter was spirit-filled. So Peter was going to slip, and he was, gonna, you know, be, he was going to um, deny Jesus three times. But his heart was still, he loved the Lord. He was still you know, a, a disciple who was obedient and seeking God's face. And so Jesus already knew the outcome, right? He says, but when you turn back, mm -hmm. strengthen your brothers. Mm -hmm. So he's like, you're going to fall. But the difference is that he gets back up, right? Yeah. So there may be times in our life when the enemy gets the best of us and we, we fall or we stumble or we find ourselves in a bit of a mess. But the key is, is that the, I think that's even a proverb that the, the righteous man falls six yeah. times, but yeah. I don't know how it goes. Yeah, I, yeah. I, that wasn't in our notes. So but he gets up. up. But he gets up. He gets up. He gets up more than he falls. <laughs> he gets up more seven times. So he gets yeah. up one more time than he falls. So that's our goal. Is that I mean, ideally, we, we want to put on the full armor of God and stand, right? And the goal is that we're not tripping and we're not falling all the time. We're not backsliding all the time, but we're standing firm in our faith. And, and because of that, um, we, we're able to overcome and have victory. Yeah, and the, you pretty much almost quoted that verse, which, yeah. that, that he's going to give you the way, yeah. the way to stand under it. And that was the key in that verse, and if you can look it up because I want to read it, yeah, is that it doesn't say, and he will give you a way out where you can leave. He's gonna, he said it's going to be to stand under it. Mm -hmm. That means he'll give you the power... That you, you will face it, but he's going to give you the power to get out of it. Amazing. He'll give you power to go through it. He's not just going to protect you in a little bubble. Because he says that they will hate you. He'll say that they will be persecuted. He, will say, he said all these things to us. That it will, it's, it's coming. But he's going to be there to strengthen you and for you to give you. So it's 1 Corinthians 10, verses 12 and 13. 1 Corinthians 10, and I'm going to actually read, read it uh, because this applies to what we're talking about. It yeah. says, so if you think you are standing firm, again here, the, hmm. the theme, standing firm. If you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Now, this has been misused, and people say that God will never give you more than you can handle. Yeah. That is not scripture, okay? God will give you way more than you can handle, and I am a testimony of that. That has happened many times in my life. And he gives you, he gives you more than you can handle because it forces you to lean on him Amen. and to trust in him. Amen. The scripture is actually about temptation. 
that God will not give you more than you can bear. So, so the one place where we don't have an excuse is actually with our sin. That God will never give us more than we can, more temptation than what we can handle. But he will also always provide a way out, mm-hmm. right? So that we don't have an excuse to keep falling into sin. And again here, remembering the goal is, is that we need to stand firm. Hallelujah. Just stand firm. Yep. Amen. 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 So, so looking at the standing firm, while, while we're on the topic of standing firm, uh, oh, you oh, wanted great. to? No. You have I, it? No, I just wanted to go to verse 11 because we kind of skipped through it. Oh, okay. But I don't know if, it, if it's stand firm, then we might keep on pushing to stand firm. Yeah. I, I just, for me, this verse, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. We talked about, I just want to remind you, we got to put on the armor yesterday. We cannot put on the armor of God when bad things happen. Right. We cannot put on the armor of God when we're being tempted. Now we're going to be like, all right, where's my faith? Where's my salvation? Where's my understanding of the truth of God? Where, where, do, where do I stand where Jesus is? And am I really going to heaven or not? When, if, we, if we're that shaky and temptation mm-hmm. or persecution or whatever comes our way, we're getting pierced. We're getting absolutely pierced. We're getting, we're getting, we're getting cut. So we need to put on the armor of God now. We don't, we don't start training for the battle inside the battle. We train for the battle before it happens. Because it says it's this devil's schemes. He has plans. He has his own army and generals, just like Trish said. And we need to have the same thing. Not only do we have the armor of God, but we also have our own armies. We also have our community. We have our prayer warriors. When something happens, do I have a prayer warrior to call on? Right? Is there, when something happens, do I have even as sucky as Job's friends were? They were there. They he were wasn't there. alone. For the first seven days, they were amazing. They sat there quietly. You know what I mean? They did I, better than a lot of a lot of friends that yeah. I would know. Of. To yeah. be honest, better yeah. than I would have done. Yeah. So you you need that. We absolutely need that, and we need other people with their armor of God with us. So that way, sometimes maybe I am exposed, maybe because I'm weak. I need somebody to come with their shield. And cover my sex, to cover my side, to be like, hey, you might be shaking right now, but with my faith, I can protect you right now. I can speak life into you. I can speak with my truth. I can speak in your gospel. But that's what we need that. That's what the communities are. That's that's what churches are supposed to be, where we are battle ready. We are battle ready. I need to have understanding that I am battle ready, not only as myself, but also around me, because... He has generals and armies and all that stuff. Why don't I not have that? Wow. Why am I fighting alone? Well, fighting, st- standing here, standing firm, and there, there's a, there's twenty people so coming at me, and I'm like, that was so good. okay. <laughs> you know, I would rather have another army with, with a bazooka in the back, Jose. <laughs> you know, I need that. I, we need that. So we need to start. Building this armor, putting on this armor, building this army yesterday. That, that's as soon as we accepted and became believers, we need to start putting on that armor. Right. And it says here, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. So we have to put on the armor before we face the struggles. Um, not reactively, but proactively, knowing that the day of evil is coming. And the day of evil that is referring to is is the end times, right? Is the, we don't know when, when this final struggle will happen, 
but all of those forces of darkness and evil that are hidden right now, again, that we don't see, that we can't wrap our head around because we're busy chasing after the devils in a bush, <laughs> that, that they, will, they will come out to the surface and it will, in the end, we'll, we'll see all the forces of darkness for what they really are. Um, I do want to just make a side note. I found that because I don't like when we quote a scripture and we don't say where it's from. So the, the proverb uh, is Proverbs 24, verse 16. A righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, <laughs> but the wicked shall fall by calamity. So that's the verse. Uh, Proverbs 24, verse 16. I knew we had the, the general idea of it, but I want to make sure we quote it for what it is. <laughs> You're like, you way off. So the key is, is that we put on the armor of God and then we're prepared again to stand firm. And, and what we see again and again, when you read the Old Testament, when you read through the story of Israel, um, the people have to show up ready for battle. But God is the one who fights the battles, right? Mm-hmm. Over and over and over again. Yeah. We see this as the theme. So we have to be battle ready, but ultimately the, one, the Lord is the one who fights his battles. And um, we have, there's a well-known verse from Psalm 46, uh, verse 10. It just says, be still and know that I am God. But I want to read the, the verses around it for context. It says, Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And so you have this picture. It's not just be still and know that he is God. We're being still and we're watching God do these incredible things and overcome the, the armies of the enemy. We're watching him. He's, he's breaking the bow and shattering the spear. And so we're, we're not just being still and doing nothing. We're being still and, and allowing God to fight our battles for us. Yeah, over in New Testament, uh, Old Testament, I'm sorry, you see this over and over again. One of the big ones is in Exodus. As they're leaving, right? They're leaving, Egyptians are leaving, and they come to the, by, the Red, uh, by the Red Sea, and here's the Pharaoh right behind them. And now they're, and they're ready. Then we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptian. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptian than to die in the desert. And we're kind of the same thing. I'm sorry, I'm in Exodus 14, 12, and I'm going to read 13 and 14. This is where we at. We get to a point where we're in Christian walk and things start to happen. And we're like, you know what? All these people who are not Christians, they're not going through this. Why am I going through this? Let's go back to where, how I was. You know what? It was way better. It was way better when I could just drink my problems away. Let's go better when I could just ignore them away. The, you know, I didn't need to walk this righteous walk. I don't need to do all these things. So this is where they're saying, they're like, I want to go back to Egypt. I want to go back to slavery. And Moses speaks to the people, verse 13. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance. The Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. That is the promise. That is the steps over and over and over again through the whole Old Testament. And in, in the Gospels, you see, see these things happening. Jesus is like, there's a problem. Just, just, just watch what happens. Like feeding of, of the 5,000. You know, it's one of the, watch what happens. <laughs> oh, you woke me up because there, there's a storm? Watch what happens. You know, just be still. Just, this is what's happening. And over and over again, we see that. Paul, when, uh, when uh, we just used the 
couple of weeks ago when Paul, the ship is going to get broken down. This is in cha- the end of chapter Acts. And he's like, hey, just so you guys know, it's going to be hard. We're going to get blown away. The, 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 the ship is going to explode and everything else. But we'll be okay. God is still going to deliver us. All of us. Not one is going to perish. It's just going to suck <laughs> for a while. But watch what God is going to do. You know, so that's that's one of those things. There's storms. There's all these things, but we need to be still and, and know that He is Lord. And the ultimate, the ultimate victory. We we have the the honor and the privilege uh, of being on the other side of Calvary, right? Yeah. We're on the other side. We we know the ultimate victory that God has has won happened through what happened on the cross because it didn't end with the cross, mm-hmm. right? It, mm-hmm. We know Hallelujah. that the story continues. And we know that the, there came the resurrection, right? The resurrection the, was the ultimate victory that God triumphed over sin and darkness and over Satan. And it says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, that this is, this is what was happening on the cross. Mm-hmm. So the, just as a side note, a lot of times, you know, when you watch movies of the passion or whatever, they focus very much on the physical suffering that Jesus went through and it was agonizing and it was horrible right I mean he was flogged he had the crown of thorns he was ashamed and stripped naked and then horrifically crucified which is you know has been examined to be one of the most torturous ways for a human to die so I don't want to take away from the physical suffering but what was really agonizing that happens on the cross was that he was going through spiritual warfare he was being attacked in the spiritual realm and faced the full wrath of God um, as well as the, the forces of the enemy. I mean, that's why he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So the, the true hell that he was in was not in the physical realm. It was what he was experiencing in the spiritual. Mm-hmm. And Colossians chapter 2, verse 15 explains, because we, we didn't see this part, right? We just, humans who were there at the time, they just saw a man who was naked and hung on a cross. And they saw, and he was agonizing, and they figured, you know, the physical was all that they, that they knew him to be suffering. But it says here, he was disarming the powers and authorities. Again, powers and authorities, these, this hierarchy of, of forces of evil. And it says, he made a public spectacle of them, mm-hmm. triumphing over them by the cross. Amen. So there's this, you know, we talked about this when we talked about the Beatitudes, about people always saying that it's an upside down kingdom. But it's actually that he was making the kingdom right side up, right? And so in the, in the physical realm, we saw it looked like he was supposed to be the Messiah. He was supposed to be the king of kings. He was the promised deliverer. And it looked like Satan had the victory because he was being crucified on the cross and he was rejected by the very people to whom he was sent. But what was actually happening in the spiritual realm is while it looked like he was defeated and it looked like the worst had come, that he was actually making a spectacle and and. Of, of Satan and saying like is this the best you got this is mm-hmm. all you got because yeah, yeah. you killed the man of God but God had the final say and he can resurrect mm-hmm. you underestimated you took yourself to, to believe you were more powerful than you really were mm-hmm. you know the enemy himself was looking for a double line every push and he, he, he became arrogant and proud and thought that he had victory and really that was his moment of defeat because God said, well, if you could crucify him, I already had it in my plan to resurrect him on the third day. And so it'll actually be the fulfillment of all scripture, all of the prophecies, all of the, the foretelling um, that Satan did not have the final word. And I love the way that it, that it says this in Colossians because it's, he disarmed the powers and authorities. So they're still around, 
but they don't have the power like they used yeah. to. They don't have the dominion that they used to because now he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And the prince of this world does not have the power that he, he claimed to have. And it says he made a public spectacle of them. I just love that because it's, it's such an extreme like uh, a symbol of the victory that he had. That it wasn't it, He thought it was a moment of shame and scorn and something. But it actually becomes our badge of victory, right? It becomes the moment of the capstone of, of God's grace and his mercy and his salvation. Yeah, I just I just love Jesus flexed all the time. Like he he goes into the desert, you know, he's fasting for forty days and forty nights, no eating, no nothing like that, and then he fights Satan. Like he's like, you know what? I'll give you a handicap. I won't eat anything for forty days and forty nights, and then and then maybe this fight might be somewhat fair. Some bumpers on the lane. You know what I mean? He's like he's like okay, I'll. But that, that sort of, that, and it says at the end that Satan looked to come back to him at a more opportune time. Like, yeah. it, I don't know, but he would have had me on that one. Like, I'm sorry, what's a more opportune time? There isn't. I guess when you're on the cross. Yeah. Yeah. Still humiliated. Absolutely. Spectacle. He became a spectacle. That's why we love our crosses. Because it's not only is it a symbol of victory, but it is a symbol of humiliation. And you'll also notice it's one of the favorite symbols of like darker groups they like to take it and make it a yeah. cult right well, like jokes on you man yeah. <laughs> they turn it upside down yeah, yeah. but it's, it's 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 nothing all these temptations all these things when we have the full armor of god uh, i want to finish with this these verses out of romans Oh, no, I wanted to share oh, okay, Corinthians first if that's okay yeah. so so speaking of this because we have this picture of how Jesus fought, you know, they, they expected a Messiah who was going to be this triumphant king, right? Who came and, and we're expecting in the second coming that he truly does come, you know, with, with wrath and the white horse and he's got his legions of angels um, and the saints at his side to, to fight and have this final victory. But when they were looking for the Messiah, when they were looking for the coming king, they expected him to be a certain kind of way, right? They wanted this glorious uh, coming, and we see that he actually had victory in a way that we didn't expect. And in the same way, I mean, we're, we're joking about it, but in, in honest reality, that's how we're supposed to fight as well. We don't fight yeah. um, with fancy words. We don't fight with, you know, an arrogance. It says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses, uh, starting in verse 3, it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And again, so this verse tells us that the, the armor of God that we have uh, gives us the authority and the power to demolish strongholds. But that doesn't, these strongholds are in here. They're in our minds. They're in our hearts. They're not out there. We don't have to go chasing um, after spiritual battles. They're, they're within us. The, the greatest spiritual battle you will ever fight is over your own soul. Mm. Yeah. And so the, the weapons that we have been given are to demolish arguments and pretensions, things that set themselves up against the, the knowledge of God. And it's so that we can take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So the, the war that we're waging is over our own minds. It's wow. over our own hearts, over our own souls. It's, 
It's not the enemy that's out there. It's the enemy within us. Wow. Mm, that was a good book. Ooh. The enemy within us? That's a book? I haven't read that one. Okay. Um, so look yeah, into that one. Amen. Amen. So the last thing I want to just leave you guys is with uh, Romans chapter 8, verse, verses, uh, I actually start 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written in Psalm 44, 22. For your, for your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered a sheep to be slaughtered. Mm. No, in all these things, we're more than a conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that Amen. is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. That is the promise that we stand firm. And the next time we get together, we're going to talk about this armor of God and the, the different uh, symbolism and of the armor of God and how we must walk with them. And I think what we need to find out is what kind of armor do we have? Are we walking around with a little knife or are we walking around with a sword? Are we barefooted or do we have some good, uh, good boots on? That's what we're going to talk about. And I'm really looking forward to, to this teaching and what God is going to bring us out of it. Bring the first one I believe is the belt of truth. So Thank you for spending time with us during this episode. We pray that this teaching blessed you and brought you closer to understanding God. If you'd like to contact us, please email us at corechurch242 at gmail.com. Until next time, know you are loved and covered in prayer.